It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, I am joined by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, talking all about the NBA draft. Who should be the pick at 12? Should the Thunder considering moving pick number 12? Plus, we have the withdrawal date from the draft and a review of an NBA mock draft that I think went particularly well, although I am biased about that. We'll get into all that and more coming up on the Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I'm your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Thunderpod. Email the show, LOThunderpod at gmail.com. I'm a media member for the Thunder and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Joined today by Richard Stamen at Mavs Draft on Twitter, MavsDraft.com, and host of the Locked On NBA Big Board Podcast talking all about the NBA draft, getting you set for that famous day here in uh, late June. June 23rd is the big party date in the sky. Richard, what's going on? Hey, uh, enjoying the view from the left side of the screen finally. So, you know, taking in a whole new approach of basketball from this perspective. We had to switch it up a little bit, but thank you for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast from. Whenever we're done here, go check out Lockdown NBA Big Board where Richard Stamen was on Tuesday talking all about the NBA draft. But Richard, we're getting closer to that day, and we've spent a lot of time talking about picks two. But the Thunder have picked 12, 30, and 34 as well. So today, as a reset, let's shift away from pick two. So we're going to get that out of the way early. I told you I'd ask you this every single week. This is week two. Who do the Magic take at one? Yeah, you know, I want to keep saying Chet. I think it might actually be Jabari. I would still take Chet, though. So that leaves Chet for OKC? Or do you buy into this idea of trading back from two to four for Ivy? We're just taking Ivy number two overall in general. No, I think I think it opens up the door for Chet. A lot of teams are scared to take him, supposedly. But something about that screams someone in the top three that's not Orlando made this rumor up to get him. So it leaves Rafael Stone or Sam Presti. And I'm just going to be 100% honest. When I think of teams that make things up to throw everybody else off, I immediately think of Sam Presti. So I'm going to say this is a Presti-driven rumor. That is perfect, especially in rumor season to have our audience hear you say that, especially with the Jaden Ivey stuff circulating around. So we've got two out of the way. We have player profiles on Jaden Ivey, Paul Bancaro, and Chet Holmgren up already. So if you care about pick two, go listen to those. It's a playlist on YouTube and also in the archives of our podcast feed. So that's out of the way. Coming up, we're going to talk about number two, I mean, number 12, 30, and 34. But Richard, we had the withdrawal date for the NBA draft. Were there any surprising names that are not going to the NBA draft? You know, I was personally um, not really surprised. 
But Isaiah Wong, it hit me a little bit harder than I thought it would. Uh, the biggest one, though, I think was Turquavion Smith. Uh, he, he withdrew actually a little bit early. He did it on Tuesday. The Memorial Day weekend is throwing my days off. But he withdrew on Tuesday, and I think that one is a pretty big splash personally. I had him as a guy who could be top 30, grow into a very good return on value. Next year, he's probably a borderline lottery guy. So I think that with this NBA draft kind of cementing itself, right, the, the prospects are there, everything's kind of solidified with who's going to be available to the Thunder. Talking about 12, in your opinion, how much value does the 12th overall pick have in this year's draft? Is, is this a deep enough class to, at 12, what would you surmise the Thunder are going to get? Are they going to get a starting level player? Could they get a possible all-star is 12 just kind of the start of where the bench players come in? Where are you at with pick number 12? Yeah, it's interchangeable at this point from just looking at my board, I would say pick seven. I think Portland really opens up the floodgates on what happens, especially if they take someone, there's a good chance they do, like Jeremy Sohan from Baylor, Tari Eason from LSU, uh, Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, Shaden Sharp from technically Kentucky. It really opens up a lot of opportunities. And I think from around seven or eight down to all the way, almost down to like 18, 19, maybe even 20, you could order it in any given way. And I probably wouldn't be upset about it. So I think there's a ton of opportunity to find great value at, at number 12 and not like the Walmart brand, great value, but like actual very valuable players at a, at a spot, not normally found. There's no shame in great value from Walmart. Uh, cut the check, but I do want to say, I do want to say at 12, this has been my biggest sticking point. I've used the term razor's edge. I think that there's a, there's a almost in the script line between picks, like you said, seven through 12 through X number, but especially in that seven through 12 range, really, I think six to 12 is kind of just blah. Like whatever happens, happens. I would not be shocked to see anybody shift and turn up the draft boards. We all have our favorites, but I wouldn't be surprised to see how it shakes out come draft night. I think that the top of the draft is going to be some order of Jabari, Chet, Paolo, Jaden Ivey, Shaden Sharp. But past five, I can see anybody making that leap into six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. So that's been my biggest pushback to the Thunder have to trade up from 12. They have to do it because somebody also has to fall to 12 if there's this small margin between these players. So you're going to get a very good player at 12 if you just stay put at 12, especially with the Thunder being content with taking four selections from everything I've heard. They're perfectly comfortable taking four players in this draft and they'll make up the roster spots however they need to in October. But for this draft, they're perfectly comfortable. If they have enough. If they have what they view as quality players at each spot, they'll take, they'll take a pick at each spot. So for me, I'm not just in desperation mode to trade up, but let's start with trading up and then we'll stick. Then we'll go to sitting at 12 and then we're going to go to trading back from 12. Something that has not really been brought up trading up from 12. If we agree that the kind of options at 12 through six are interchangeable, what do you view would be the most you'd give up to move from 12 to say seven, eight? I mean, there's a couple ways you could do it. 12, if you could just swap the package in a way, 12, 30 and 34, you're probably going to find the best player at seven. If you mix, you know, who the best player is from pick seven, 12, 30 and 34, it's probably going to be picked seven. So you know, with a team that doesn't need a ton more roster spots, I don't think for young players, I think this is one of the things a lot of young teams struggle with is how many picks do you actually make, right? 
maybe you stash a couple guys fine and like exclude that. But how many picks for adding to the roster this year do you actually want to be making? Because that's a lot of mouths to feed. I would sacrifice the whole package just to do it. And in, in a way, it's addition by subtraction. And in a, again, in a way with picks. I think that's a very interesting concept for the Thunder in terms of trading up. So just so we're clear here, because the big topic around the Thunder ecosystem right now has been Lou Dort, because let's face it, it's not anything that's Lou Dort. He's the only player that holds value that is not an immediate untouchable, right? SGA, ton of value, but he's not going to get traded. Josh Giddy, ton of value, not going to get traded. Lou Dort, ton of value on an expiring contract. Uh, who knows what he prefers to do long-term. We have seen Mark uh, over in Canada right now uh, watching basketball with him in the, uh, I forget the acronym for the league, but it's a professional league over in Canada that Jay Cole's in right now. I, I, I'm, I'm for blanking on the acronym. I think it's like the C-D-E-L-Y, something like that. But we've seen Mark with Lou. That seems perfectly good. But it's just that Lou Dort holds that value. For me, as we talk this out and talk about what it would take to move up from 12 and how the players are interchangeable, if someone said, I'm only doing this with Lou Dort included, let's go Lou Dort 12 and then you get our pick. That's a, that's a clear no for you, right? Yeah, I'm not, to, I'm not moving Lou Dort for somebody better. The odds of finding somebody better than Lou Dort, not only now, but like in two years, I think it, maybe at seven you could, but like, I, I would actually have to say, in, from 2022, this rookie season and what would be the next player, the player's next season, the first two seasons, are they going to be better than Lou Dort? Unless you get like Keegan Murray or Benedict Mather, and the answer is probably no. So your cutoff would be, would be what for Lou Dort? Would it be if you can trade twelve and Lou Dort for pick four? Would you would you do that? Yeah, I would do that. Twelve and Lou Dort for pick five. Yes, I'm reluctant, but yes. And then that stops at what you think seven? I I think six. I wouldn't know if I would do pick six. Because, like we said, that's when the tier drop-off is. You have about four guys I think are safely in their own tier of they're going top five. There's a fifth wild card, depending on who you ask. Like That's why my number five is wide open. So I think, I, I think five is a tough one because you might be able to steal one of the top four. And then, as we, as we said, the contract decision can be hammered out this offseason. And Keith Smith of uh, the Front Office Show on YouTube and podcast, wherever you get him, uh, he mentioned the idea of declining Lou Dort's option, which would hit the year funny for a lot of fans, but that would make him a restricted free agent this offseason to where you can uh, negotiate with him against other teams, but whatever another team signs him to, you can immediately match. Whereas if you take this in the next offseason, he's an restricted free agent. You cannot make him a restricted free agent next offseason. So next offseason, he can just leave and just doesn't have to run it by you, doesn't have to ask if you can match it. He just leaves. So whereas this offseason, you can work out a deal with him uh, without him having the ability to leave because you can match anything that you, that he gets. So that's an interesting wrinkle to the Lou Dort contract extension. I'm, I'm with you. If you could somehow talk the Kings into Lou Dort and 12 for four, maybe, like, you know, like, like, yeah, like, sure. Like Jaden Ivey, you can envision being better than Lou Dort, but past that, I'm not sure that it's worth the squeeze. Even Shaden Sharp, who I love, there's just so many question marks about if Shaden Sharp can reach that potential that even Shane Sharp, who I really like a lot, and he's number five on my big board now, moved down from four. I, I don't know if I'd for sure do it for Shane Sharp, who has too many question marks. Yeah, I agree with that. You're taking way too big of a risk, up, downgrading immediately big time from a, a high-level rotation player that can do a lot on, on the defensive end and is capable on offense. Uh, underrated, I would say, actually, on offense. But 
that's besides the point. And then you're also getting a guy who might suck in the NBA. Like we really don't know. There's no nice way to put it. He's, he's probably textbook boomer bust in my opinion. Yeah, I think that you're spot on. If, if you look up boomer bust in the dictionary, it's going to come back shade and sharp because he could be a stud, like a top 10 player could also be out of the league in a couple of years and just have things really derail him. So it's scary. He's still number five on my board because of that upside swing, but it is scary. I think honestly what comes down with Shaden Sharp is his environment. I mean, if he goes to an environment like an OKC uh, where you, you trust their developmental team more than others, then I, then I feel more comfortable. If the Thunder sign off on him, I feel more comfortable. He goes to Sacramento, I'm scared. I'm getting really scared. Even Detroit, I'm really scared. But it's like, obviously these teams don't, aren't in the range to get them. But OKC, Memphis, Miami, Toronto, those kind of organizations that have that reputation of a great developmental system – I feel a lot more comfortable in than if he goes to Detroit, Sacramento, or something of that nature. And now if he goes to New Orleans or even Portland, I feel more safe. But we'll see how his career shakes out. Obviously, it'll be all on him and wanting to play basketball and actually participating and going through all that stuff. But uh, I do want to say right now, but good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the code LOCK15, get 15% off of your next order. That's Built.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. Richard? I know that you're uh, always running these pickup games and everything else. We got the built bar uh, birthday cake puffs. Those are phenomenal uh, built bar uh, brownie puffs. Also like brownie batter taste to them. Just like the birthday cake is more of like a cake icing taste to it than like a cake cake taste to it. Uh, both phenomenal options. I'm sticking for another week with cookies and cream at my number one, but has, has the birthday cake made a Jabari Smith like jump to number one for you over cookies and cream. You know, um, I had an in-person one-on-one, one-on-zero interview with the cookies and cream and the cookies and cream just really checked out. It's, it's still hard for me to imagine, you know, another flavor taking over for now. It's, it's probably that the only other one that's close. I think I'm a big white chocolate fan and I also like berries, white chocolate, berry, low key underrated. It's like the Jaden Ivy of this draft. That's a perfect comp because I've I haven't tasted the white chocolate berry and we're pushing the birthday cake and the brownie batter and the cookies and cream white chocolate berry very sneaky athletic it could end up being the best player in this draft in five years so go check back with us in five years as we talk about built bar then as well but built.com promo code lock 15 15% off of your next order this is Jake from Locked On Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Berea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Berea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, we're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day, we have a very important favor to ask you. Yes, me and Richard do have a very important favor to ask you. We've put together a survey. 
so we can learn more about our listeners like you that make your favorite Locked On Podcast Network show even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and don't like about Locked On Podcasts. Go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. That's LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey right now to get started. It will not take long, and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com slash survey. Thank you for helping us at the Lockdown Podcast Network. And Richard, thank you for helping us at Lockdown Thunder get prepared for the draft. And you, of course, run MavsDraft.com, host Lockdown NBA Big Board at MavsDraft on Twitter. We're going to talk about MavsDraft.com coming up with a mock draft. But speaking of 12, so we have discussed what it's like to move up in the draft. We've both settled on staying at 12 provides a ton of value, right? Staying at 12, you agree there's value there? Yeah, I think you you have a good chance of getting like a steal or somebody just who simply drops. I think there's a good chance. And now let's discuss trading back from 12 because as you mentioned, it's a numbers game and the Thunder are in this scenario at 12 where yes, they're comfortable taking four players, but taking four players would be a little messy come October, obviously, but nothing that they can't handle because Maladon's contract's not guaranteed come June 29th. They can decide to waive him and not pay him the full salary. There's there's uh, team options on Roby and Muscala. Uh, the favors contracts 10 mil this year that if you can't find a trade for it, which you likely won't, uh, you can just buy him out and have the $10 million sit there in dead money this off se- you know, this season and not linger in the next season's cap sheet and just have that open roster spot through, through that. Uh, there's a lot of ways to get down for roster spots. There just is. Um, so let, let's discuss now trading back, though, for if the Thunder didn't view pick 12 as somebody that they're totally in love with. Like, like nobody magical falls. And we'll talk about who's been falling in our mock drafts because I think that that's a very important key to staying at 12. But let's just say nobody that they are incredibly in love with falls to 12. Moving back from 12, what what does that mean for the Thunder? What what cards do they have to move back? What, what chips are in their hand that they can utilize if they move back from 12? How would you value it? Well, uh, it would probably mean more picks. Even if it's like second round picks or something, it's still more picks. And the drop off from 12 to, I'd say anywhere, you move back to like 19 even, you're not really feeling an effect. You're not feeling like, dang, a lot of our guys are gone. Um, ironically enough, the the dang was almost a play on words unintentionally. Uh, Usman Jang, if he's one of the guys, do not move. But if he is, if he isn't, you know, like, feel free to move back. Let somebody else take the swing. There's a lot of risky guys, I think, that could go in that area. Malachi Branham. Uh, like I said, Usman Jang, Tari Eason, potentially uh, Mark Williams, depending on if you trust his perimeter ability in the playoffs to be a risk. There's a lot of guys that have fatal flaws in their games. Oklahoma City could walk away with somebody that teams just way overthought. I think that you're right there. I think that trading back would be what? You think like a swap of 12 and 18, 20, 26, whatever, and additional first-round pick, or is that too much? I mean, I think, yeah, you look at something like San Antonio, maybe even what you can do with them is you can wheel and deal, right? They have 20 and 25. Pick at 20, deal away 25 for a future pick. That's probably the safest way, I think, to go about it is just keep piling up those assets. And I think if you turn 25 into a future first with protections, I mean, that's worked out in Oklahoma City's favor quite a bit in the past. Yeah, and I mean, we have the ultimate mock draft coming, which if you're new here, the ultimate mock draft is awesome. Like, 
all of our hosts that host on uh, you know the Lockdown Podcast Network for each team, they are the acting GMs. We make trades, we make picks, we do everything like a GM would do on draft day. There's a war room, there's a, a associated podcast with it, and also on that podcast comes a ton of draft voices like Richard. They are grading our decisions. Uh, uh, Scalabrini was there last year. Like they're going to have a ton of guests like that on this year's edition as well, including Richard Stamen to grade this down. And so right now we're wheeling and dealing, making our picks, doing stuff for that mock draft for, to get prepared for you, which will come out on June 16th through the 22nd. Uh, so you can go listen to that. The Thunder, of course, are going to be on every episode because we have picks 2, 12, and 30. Uh, but I've already heard from Houston, who wants to move up from 17 to 12, from Dallas, who wants to move up from 26 to 12. Uh, what what do you think it would take to do that? Do you think that you could get Dallas to go 26 to 12 and throw in that future pick from them? Or do you think that's not enough for Dallas to throw in that future pick? Would it be more of a, like a Josh Green type? I, I don't think Dallas has – I don't think there's anything Oklahoma City should be desiring. There's not some sweet, sweet player they can pry away. Josh Green, maybe. But like – They do love defensive wings in OKC. Yeah, I'm 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 pretty out on the realisticness of uh of that half like not not no knock on like the mock draft or Nick or anything. That's their GMs doing it. I don't expect Sam Presti is what I'm saying to go, all right, send Josh Green our way. You know, like I just I think the Mavs don't have enough future picks, they don't have enough young talent, they don't have enough meaningful players now that could be used in a trade to move up 14 spots. I, I think that's gonna be hard to pull off. And like you said, the Mavs don't have a ton of future picks to where do you really want to blow one on moving up to 12 in this draft? Sorry, I, I took a second to find mute. Uh, no, I, I don't think it's worth it in this draft. I If I had my way of what I would do with Dallas as a little side tangent, punt the draft, move, move with the team in like the 30s and get a pick next year. I mean, I would even punt it entirely for a pick next year. I'm so all in on that class. It's easy to say far in advance, but I, I think Dallas should be looking to move out instead of even backwards or forwards. I, I'm, I'm going to work this out so I don't get fleeced because I've been fleeced by Locked On Mavs before. I went back and tweeted out kind of all the moves that I've done since taking over Locked On Thunder. In 2020, I traded for Tyrell Terry. I traded up to pick 18 to get Tyrell Terry. Listen, Richard, don't come for me. This was before I knew you, before I was led to the light. I had Tyrell Terry pick I had him fourth on my big board. Don't don't disrupt me with facts here, Richard. Do not disrupt me with facts here. I had Tyrell Terry fourth on my big board. I was in love with Tyrell Terry. I traded up tonight to, to um, 18, got Tyrell Terry, took on DeLon Wright, gave them Dennis Schroeder, and they ended up getting Dennis Schroeder and Tyler Bay, and I got Tyrell Terry and DeLon Wright. I got fleeced. Granite, granite, let me say myself my reputation. Nobody won. Nobody did win. I want to save myself here. In 2021, though, I drafted Scotty Barnes, Anthony Shingoon, and Cam Thomas. I mean, that's pretty good. I'd say it's a pretty good haul. All right, you redeemed yourself. So I don't want to get fleeced by Lockdown Mavs again. That's my point. They're willing to take on the Derek Favors contract. 26 favors Josh Green for 12. Is that enough for you? No. No. As much as I want the corpse of Derek Favors, no thank you. There we go. Okay, the Mavs need a big. We'll we'll take this off the table. Hey, I tried to give thirty for twenty six in favors. They didn't. They didn't go for that one. But uh, we'll we'll see how that goes. Now coming up, let's talk mock drafts because mock drafts are the lifeblood of what we're doing here. Uh, and you can even bet on the draft by the way at BetOnline.net. Our partners over at BetOnline.net 
Continue to be the one source for all your betting needs and sports info for the latest odds, news, and sport developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Although, it's NFL baseball, comma, fights, although MLB baseball has been having fights recently about fancy football. So go check that out as well over there on Locked, in, Locked on MLB. Bet Online is your continued source for all the sports wagering info from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. But right now to the site, let's show you how easy it is. You type in betonline.net, you go to sportsbook, and you can scroll down to basketball, and it's time for the NBA Finals. So let's go first NBA Finals game. It's in Golden State. Celtics, three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Richard, what's our pick for tonight? Uh, Warriors are going to cover. There we go. You think it's going to be like a curve stomping or just, just cover the three? In the middle. I think they'll win by like eight or nine. There we go. So go check out Bet Online right now to bet on sports. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Ryland Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOThunderPod. Email the show, LOThunderPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Thunder your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. Make sure you check out the Lockdown NBA Big Board Podcast hosted by Raphael Barlow and Richard Salmon at Mavshaft on Twitter, who's who's uh, coming on every single week talking to us right now. Richard, we're getting close. What's on the itinerary for uh, Lockdown NBA Big Board? We are doing all the rankings, all the previews. If you listen to us every day for the entire month of June, you will have a wealth of knowledge for what is upcoming in the NBA draft. If, if some random European player gets drafted at like 34, Raphael will know every single thing about him, where he was born, what his home was like when he was young, like all this, he's got you covered. And then anything obscure, I can't, I, I think I overhyped Raphael now where I can't even live up to that. But I, I hope to think that I, uh, that my film study and everything like that is, uh, is enough to keep you up to date. So you're at a draft party and your friend asks you, Hey, who is this guy? You can just relay the information you heard from me. Raphael literally travels the globe to watch these players. Not many other networks can say they have a guy like that who hosts a show every single day. And you're right. Listen to lock me a big board. I cannot stress this enough. You're going to be going to draft parties. You're going to be talking to your friends on Twitter, on text, Snapchat, everything else, snap face. You're going to be wanting to talk about the NBA draft. And you know, with Sam Presti, he's got picks two, 12, 30 and 34. There's a good chance that Sam Presti takes a guy you've never heard of at one of those picks. Just because he's Sam Presti, you can do it. But if you listen to Lockdown NBA Big Board, you will have heard of that guy. You will know everything about him. And you can flex on your friends as if you're this basketball savant when really Raphael's just feeding you the information that you need. 
Go check them out. Raphael Barlow, uh, locked in NBA draft big board and NBA draft big board newsletter. Now, Richard, let's talk mock drafts. Let's end the show. Mock drafts are incredible and perfect. I almost left the call. That would have been bad. Mock drafts are awesome, right? It's what we love to do. And you host a mock draft every single week on MavsDraft.com. I participated in all of them uh, as a Thunder and everyone except for like two. And then I was a Mavericks in those two. But I'm back as the Thunder. Hopefully it kicked off again next week. But I'm back as the Thunder. Uh, That was some public pressure on Richard to keep me as the Thunder guy for next week. I'm back for the Thunder GM job uh, this week. And you took Chet Holmgren at one with Orlando. That left me with Jabari Smith Jr. Let's just talk about that first pick. If it played out that way, is is Jabari Smith Jr. the guy if the Thunder don't have Chet available? Yes. And just to address your point of the pressure, you are now the LA Clippers and you will be picking 43rd in the next draft. No, but uh, with Jabari Smith, I think he's absolutely the pick if Chet is gone because you look at what Oklahoma City's probably tanking for next year, right? It, it's nobody like Jabari Smith. There's no Jabari Smith in the top five of the draft. What we see now, a lot can change. Nobody saw Jabari Smith being in the top five of this draft. So, you know, weird things happen. Jaden Ivey, a lot of people didn't see being in the top five. Absolutely nobody saw Shaden Sharp being there. But regardless, say it goes, does go as planned. Victor Wembanyama is the guy they're tanking for. They've made it almost no secret. They, they have hinted at it. I'm sure Iwan has talked about it in the past that they will not be trying to necessarily win in 2023. It's anything goes, and if it's looking bad, they're tanking. Victor Wembanyama needs somebody that will compliment him, and then you look at the roster that is already taking place, SGA, Giddy, whoever you want to name on that young core. Jabari Smith really times – I think he matches everybody's timeline. He can play with anybody. I think it's a universal fit for a potential franchise changer next year. couple things here, couple things here. Number one – uh, you did say 2023, not, not your fault, my fault. Uh, to be clear for any listeners who are confused, whenever I say they're going to go for it in 2023, that means the 2023 off season uh, for 2022, 23 season, Richard, you're right. They're going to tank. They're going to lose games. They're going for Victor. It's even been reported in, on sports illustrated. Everyone knows this is a year about Victor and for the thunder, but just, just to be clear. Whenever I say 2023 season, I'm talking 23, 24 in case there's any sort of mix up there from a listener who's just kind of, I know when you're listening to podcasts, you're most likely passively listening and you know doing other things. Whenever I've said 2023, the offseason of 2023 is whenever they're going to take their big swing and try to win. The second thing, though, breaking news. The Brooklyn Nets have deferred the acquisition of the Philadelphia 76ers' second, uh, first-round pick in 2022 uh, at pick number 23. So they've deferred it, and so now the Sixers will keep 2023 in this year's draft. I don't know if that, I don't know if that's breaking news as much as Woj is making it out to be, but it's breaking news uh, nonetheless. So what do you think about that? Any difference in how this draft shakes out? Well, uh, you know, I think – I think Brooklyn would have traded it. So I don't think, because now it is Philly getting the pick, right? I read that right. Yeah. So, yeah. So th- that's the big, that's the big kicker here. You mentioned that Brooklyn would have traded it. And I believe that too. So Brooklyn is saying they don't want 2023, that they don't want pick number 23 in 2022. They're going to give 2022's pick at 23 to Philadelphia. Philadelphia, of course, will then have to give the, the Nets a pick later on because they're just kind of pushing it down the line and deferring it. Uh, so do you think Philadelphia? We'll trade at 23 because that range is where you're looking at to trade up from 30. So that's what's important to the Thunder and why I kind of interrupted the show. You know, you're looking at 20 through 29 to trade up from 30. Does this now eliminate 23 in your opinion? I, you know, I, I think it actually is a possibility 30 to 34, especially that would allow Philadelphia, who in a way is lacking some long-term assets they can either use two picks to fill out the end of the roster and, you know, try and find a, a gem 
or they trade 30 and use the 34th pick because it's a lot better roster flexibility, cap flexibility with the 31st and on pick because the way the first round contracts and second round contracts work. So I think they could be a trade partner if they're interested in doing that kind of that, again, wheeling and dealing kind of mentality where, hey, we're going to take 30, but not keep it, do it again, trade it for like, even if it's just second round picks like Sam Hinkie loved acquiring. I think that you're right. I think that this still keeps a trade marker on the table for uh, the Thunder and, and an option on the table for the Thunder if they want to go from pick 30 up. Uh, now, getting back to the mock draft. So it goes Chet, Jabari, Paolo, makes sense. Kings take Sharp, Pistons take Ivy. And then we get to six, and it's A.J. Griffin, Terry Eason. Any thoughts on Terry Eason going in the top 10? I'd be pretty shocked, but at the same time, I get the rationale. I think he's a top 10 talent. And this is what we're, we've been saying this whole podcast. This is a great example of it. Somebody's going to shock us. There's a draft night surprise every draft. Theory Easton's a surprise in this draft. So let's see how that ripple affects into the next few picks. Keegan Murray then goes to the Pelicans. Jalen Duran then goes to the Spurs, right? And then you have Benedict Matherin to the Washington and Jeremy Sohan to the Knicks. Dyson Daniels then falls to 12, and that's who I select at 12. Yeah, what, do you, you know, what would be your grade if, if we get to pick 12 and the Thunder have Chet, I mean, have Jabari Smith Jr. and uh, Dyson Daniels? It's hard to doubt any pick that I'm questionable on going to the Thunder because, of course, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt knowing their track record. I'm not huge on Dyson Daniels. I've never understood the top 10 hype personally. I've never put him in my top 10. I liked his game when he was back in Australia um, before the G League, but never really understood the top 10 hype. So I'm iffy, but at that point, you look at what the league values right now. It's those jumbo creators. He's got a chance. He's 6'8". He keeps growing. He was like 6'6". to start the season. Now he's 6'8". There's a really good chance you you got a steal at 12 if that's the case. And at the worst, actually, I would say even he could be a trade asset at the very worst. And then we keep going here from that is it's Johnny, Dan- uh, Johnny Davis, um, Malachi Branham, Mark Williams, Osman Jiang, Kendall Brown, Okagbaji. Let's, let's go to Nikola uh, Jovic at 19 and then Marjan Bochamp at 20 to the Spurs, which is interesting. So we've done the top 20. Anyone who you would have preferred at 12 than Dyson Daniels of the names that were left up until the 20s? Yeah, I would have started with Usman Jang, uh, probably uh, Johnny Davis. I Actually, that's really the big one. I think if you had a chance at Johnny Davis at 12, I, I think Oklahoma City would have to take him. I think that he plays perfectly into the role he would play in Oklahoma city next to SGA giddy primarily. And then also he can compliment just about anybody else on the roster. Really. You look at how he could play with Lou Dort. think he can match that. You go down the roster. He fits with everybody. So then it's Jalen Williams, Leonard Miller, Christian um, Brown, Blake Wesley, Jake Loretta, Drake. Rava, Wendell Moore, Ty Ty Washington, Christian Coloco, which I thought was huge at 28. That that allowed a few guys to slip down the board. Uh, Smith, and then I, at 30, these are the guys off the board. At 30 now, the only thing I regret is Bryce McGowan's and Jaden Hardy. I, I would have taken Jaden Hardy, I think, uh, looking back on it. But how do you grade that Bryce McGowan's pick at 30, making him a first-rounder? Yeah, I, I really think Bryce McGowan's is one of those players you look at six seven wing that can create his own shot theoretically he does everything on offense he's just really raw he hasn't made a lot of shots hasn't produced yet there's more more of just shots missing more than him being bad 
And I think when you gamble on somebody with those tools, it's very much worth it. That is a, he has a chance. I think of all the players you've drafted, I think he has those three so far. I think he has the best chance at stardom. So then you go from 30 to uh, Ishmael, Jaden Hardy, and then Jalen Williams. And then I pick Patrick Baldwin Jr. Over guys like Keon Ellis, Jabari Walker, uh, Hugo. So how would you grade this draft with, with uh, Patrick Baldwin Jr., Bryce McGowan's, Dyson Daniels, and then, of course, the big one, Jabari Smith Jr.? Yeah, I personally just don't see Patrick Baldwin's game translating to the NBA. You'll get super low dip on his shot, slow, somewhat slow. He leans back. Hasn't produced at all since he graduated high school at against any non or excuse me, post high school competition. I worry about suddenly the NBA being where it clicks. We've seen guys with beautiful form like his not translate. Ben Macklemore was the top, what, five, eight pick and didn't live up to it. He couldn't, he wasn't really that much of a good shooter often enough. And I think Patrick Baldwin, you look at him, he was the worst athlete at the, at the combine testing wise. And I think there's just a lot of red flags with him. He couldn't produce in Milwaukee against the, the Horizon League. I think his best game is either Eastern Kentucky or Northern Kentucky. That worries me. There's a lot of red flags around him. I think you look at who was there after, I think there were better picks. Who would have been your pick at 34? Well, I chose Keon Ellis the very next pick. But <laughs> I think somebody like Hugo Besson would have been a good pick. Daylon Terry. Uh, really, actually, I don't even know how this person fell this far. I, I forgot he fell. There were two guys. They picked within three picks of each other. Ryan Rollins went 46. John Montero went 48. Those are, I, I especially Rollins, he should be a first-round pick. I feel like those guys would be much safer bets, especially if you're looking for shooting an offense. That's the guy. Richard, thanks for joining us again. Let's dive into this again next week, talking about specific players next week. So let us know. Who you want to talk about next week uh, as we kind of dig deeper into individual players versus the broader sense of the picks. So next week, individual players, let us know in the comment section down below who you want to hear us talk about. Richard, let them know where they can find your work. And thanks again for joining us. Yeah, I might have to recent or I might have to soon change my handle to at Thunderdraft without any, you know, characters. I think that actually exists. But um I am at Mousedraft for now before I go out over to Oklahoma City. I do everything, you know, scouting reports, mock drafts on mavdrafts.com and then locked on NBA big board, talking NBA draft all the time with Rafael Barlow. There you have it. Thank you for joining us again, Richard. And then tomorrow we'll be back with more player profile and projections. Until then, be good and be good to one another. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.